right, y'all. Hey, good morning. Uh, this is a quick introduction. My name is Chase, and I'm here with Center for Jesus, and super thrilled to be here, super honored to be here to teach from the Word of God to you all this morning. just want to thank everyone enough here at Windy Hill for allowing me to come and teach from the Word of God to you all this morning. So super excited. And what we're going to be talking about today, the theme of today's message is called Covered by the Blood. And I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. And let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll jump right into it. So Father God, we just come to you in your Son's name. We thank you just for this wonderful day that you have given us. This to be here to race dirt bikes and to have fun with friends and family and to make memories that will last a lifetime. And I pray that you would just keep us all safe today. I pray that we would all have fun. That's why we're here. And we just thank you for this uh, wonderful day that you've given us, just to hear from your word, just to hear from you. And I just pray that you would just speak through me. And if there's anyone here today that does not know you, I pray that today they, they would come to make that decision to accept you as your Lord and Savior. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 12, the Bible says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on those houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So in this passage of Scripture, it's during the time when God saves the Israelites who were enslaved to the Egyptians. For 430 years, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, the Bible says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." So God, he hears the cry and he sees the oppression of the Israelites. And as the Bible says, God comes down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And some of you all may be familiar with the story of Moses in the burning bush. So basically, God appears to Moses and flames the fire from within a bush. And in Exodus chapter 3, Moses, he goes over to the burning bush and God speaks to him and he tells Moses that he is going to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. So God, he sends Moses and his brother Aaron to Pharaoh, who was the Egyptian ruler at the time, to tell them what God has said. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. So God sends Moses and Aaron to Egypt to save the Israelites. The Israelites were God's people, and he had promised to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And this land that God was sending the Israelites to was a land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, the Bible says, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, 
the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. So God, he, God made a covenant, which is, an, which is an agreement. So God, he made a covenant. He made an agreement with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And this agreement was to give them the land of Canaan. And the Bible teaches that God, he heard the groaning of the children of Israel, and he remembered his covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God, he had enough of the Israelites' oppression, so he goes on mission to save his people from slavery and send them to the land that he has promised. However, when God sent Moses and Aaron to tell Pharaoh that the Lord said, let my people go, Pharaoh was not very cooperative. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. So Pharaoh, he wouldn't let the Israelites go. And because of that, because of, because of Pharaoh's stubbornness, because of his pride, because he would not let the people of Israel go, God sends plagues upon the Egyptians. Ten plagues in total came upon Egypt because of Pharaoh's pride and because of his stubbornness. After each plague, Moses and Aaron went back to Pharaoh to ask to let the Israelites go, and every time they asked, Pharaoh said no. And each time Pharaoh said no, the plagues intensified. So here are what the ten plagues were. The first plague was the plague of blood. The second was the plague of frogs. Third was the plague of gnats. The fourth plague was the plague of flies. Five was the plague on livestock. Six was the plague of boils. Seven was the plague of hail. Eight was the plague of locusts. Nine was the plague of darkness. And ten was the plague on the firstborn. So these Egyptians, they went through so much torment. They suffered. Every plague intensified, and yet Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. After all the Egyptians went through, Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 7, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So the servants of Pharaoh, they realized the severity of what was happening. They said Egypt was destroyed, and they told Pharaoh to let the people go. But again, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not let the Israelites go. In the final plague, which is the plague on the firstborn that God sent upon Egypt, is where I want to touch on this morning. In Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 through 7, the Bible says, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as would not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel." So God was determined to free his people. God, he judged the Egyptians, not because God didn't like them, but because Egypt was a wicked land. Egypt was a land who served false gods. Egypt was a land who rebelled and turned their back against God. And they also were enslaving God's people. They were enslaving the Israelites. So these plagues that went upon Egypt, they act as a judgment and punishment for their sin and rebellion against God. So in Exodus chapter 12, God, he instructs the Israelites to have a Passover to commemorate what God did for the people of Israel. 
In Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, the Bible says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the, of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So God, he instructs the people of Israel to sacrifice lambs and to take the blood from the lambs and put it on parts of the houses where they ate the lamb. And God instructs the people that the lamb shall be without blemish and a male of the first year. And then moving forward in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, the Bible says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So the blood of the lambs that covered the houses of the Israelites. As God swept through the land, he would pass by the houses that had the blood of the lamb on their homes. So the blood, it covered them. The blood kept them from judgment. And this annual commemoration of the Passover reminded the people both of God's faithfulness to provide them from deliverance and also for their ongoing need for a substitute to pay the price their sin deserved. It's important to know that in the Old Testament, people would sacrifice lambs to temporarily cover their sins. The lamb was a substitute to, that paid the price for the sin of the people. In this particular scene of this story, it gives, us, it gives us a clear picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So throughout the Bible, Jesus, he is referred to as the Lamb, and we will learn as to why that is. In the life of Jesus, it met the requirements for a Passover sacrifice. As we have learned, God, he instructed the Israelites to, to have a lamb that was with no defect. And Jesus, too, he was a young man who was without defect. But how so? How was Christ without defect? How was he pure? Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus never sinned that he obeyed God perfectly. And even though Christ was tempted, just like you and I are, to rebel, to sin against God, Jesus, he never fell into temptation. Christ, he is perfect in all of his ways. And the Bible teaches that Christ is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh. So therefore, how can God sin against himself? And the answer to that question is that he can't, because God cannot contradict himself. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, the Bible says, God is not a man that he, should die, that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So God cannot lie. 
God is not a God of confusion. What God says will happen because God stays true to himself. God stays true to his word. God stays true to his character. God cannot go against himself. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God in the flesh, who never sinned. Therefore, his blood is without defect. His blood is pure. And just like the blood of the Lamb that protected the Israelites from God's judgment over Egypt, the blood of Jesus protects us, rather it saves us from the coming judgment of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So this verse says, you who once were far off. So what does that mean? What does the Bible say when it says, you who once were far off? What that means is that our sin, it separates us from God. We are far off from God due to our sin and rebellion against Him. And the Bible teaches that our sin leads to death. Our sin, it can't be in the presence of God because sin is unholy, sin is unrighteous, and like we have learned, God is a holy God, God is righteous, therefore sin cannot be in His presence. And it also goes back to God not being able to contradict Himself. If God ignored sin, if God just let sin to be allowed in His presence, presence He just accepted it, then God wouldn't, in fact, contradict himself. But we have learned that God can't. Therefore, sin must be punished, and the Bible teaches of two eternal destinations, which are heaven and hell. Heaven is with God for eternity, and hell is eternal separation from God. So since sin can't be in the presence of God, sin must then go to hell. But at the end of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it says, have been brought near by the blood of Christ? And what that means is that through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his blood, you can be close to God. Through his blood, through his death, through his resurrection, you can be in a relationship with God. Here's what the blood of Jesus does for you. It brings redemption. It forgives your sin. It cleanses you from your impurity. It brings you back to God. It justifies you. It saves you from God's judgment, and it saves you from eternal death. And that's the power of the blood of Jesus. That is the pureness, the righteousness of the blood of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 6, the Bible says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the blood of Jesus, it saves you, it cleanses you. His blood, it makes you righteous before God. And his blood, it heals you. It heals you from your enslavement of sin and rebellion towards God. And in those verses, it says, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that word iniquity, it means sin. So the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. And what that means is that we ourselves can't save our own lives. Animals, as in the sacrificing of lambs, can't save us. But what saves us completely is the blood of Jesus Christ. Since Jesus is pure, the Son of God, He is able to completely save people from their sin. So when the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all, that means that Jesus took upon the sin of this world. That He endured the wrath of God for our sin. And through His death and through His resurrection, He satisfied the wrath of God in our place. His pureness, His perfect unity with God, 
It qualified Jesus to be the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world, just like John said in John chapter 1, verse 29. Jesus, the Son of God, he was our substitute who laid down his life for us. The, defi- the definition of perfect love is the sacrifice of Jesus. He died for sinners like you. He died for sinners like me. And through him, through his death, through his resurrection, through his blood, we are covered. We are forgiven, and we are made right with God, and we will dwell in his presence for eternity. So this question may be coming into your mind, and, this, and the question might be, how can I be covered by the blood of Jesus? How can I be saved? How can I be forgiven? How can I be cleansed by the blood of Jesus? Well, here's how. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, the Bible says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So that right there is how you can be covered by the blood of Christ. That right there is how you can be forgiven of your sin. That's how you can be cleansed from your impurities. That's how you can be saved. You must confess your sins to God. You must acknowledge the severity of your sin. You must acknowledge before God that you have sinned against Him, that you have went your own way. And then ask God to forgive you because the Bible says that He will forgive you and that He will purify you from all unrighteousness. Then the Bible says to repent. Now, when repent, it means to turn away from your sin, to turn away from the ways of your, of your life, to turn away from the world, and to turn your life to God. It's being done with the world, it's being done going your own way, and it's being committed to living a life for God. That's what repentance is. And then you must declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you must believe in your heart by faith that God raised him from the dead. So if that's you this morning, you've listened to this, and you have realized that you are not saved, that you have never repented of your sin, that you have never received Christ by faith. So if you're not sure that when you die or when Christ comes back, you will go to heaven, but you want to be confident, you want to be saved, you want to be done going your own way, you want to be forgiven of your sin, you want to be covered by the blood of Christ, pray to God right now in this moment. Pray to God and acknowledge your sin before Him. Confess your sin to God. And then ask God to forgive you. Confess your repentance to God. Confess to God that you are done going your own way, that you are turning away from your sin, and that you are turning your life to Him. And then confess to God that you declare that Christ is Lord, and that you believe in your heart by faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, and then that God raised Him from the dead. Hey, this is Chase with Sitting for Jesus. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. And if you made the decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to simply say that I'm proud of you and that I would love to stay connected with you. So in the description, there's a link that will take you to a digital form where you can fill out your information. So please click that link, fill out your information, because I would love to stay connected with you so I can help you in your walk with Christ. Again, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you here soon.